0: Our gospel this morning for the second Sunday of Easter is from the 20th chapter of John's version of the story. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he showed them his hands and his sides and The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so now I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. And he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas was called the twin, he was one of the 12. He wasn't with the disciples when Jesus appeared to them. So the disciples said to him, we've seen the Lord. Thomas said, unless I see the marks of the nails and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hands in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in that house. This time, Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, do you believe because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in the book, but these are written so that you might come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you might have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. I'll believe it when I see it, right? We've all heard it before. We've probably said it before. I'll believe it when I see it. I didn't do any research to find out where that phrase comes from or if Thomas from John's Gospel gets the credit for it, but that is his sentiment exactly, right? I'll believe it when I see it. Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my fingers in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. I'll believe it when I see it. We've all said it. Maybe not about things of faith necessarily, but about anything unexpected or hard to believe or too good to be true. Like that last lottery ticket maybe you bought that you thought was going to win the big prize. I'll believe it when I see it. Or that your son will clean his bedroom without being asked. I will believe it when I see it. Or when that chronically late friend of yours promises they're going to show up on time for a change, I'll believe that when I see it too. Or you know, so-and-so who's in whatever number of relationship it might be, promises that this is gonna be the one that sticks. I'll believe that when I see it, too. Some of us are naturally more cynical and more skeptical than others, but we all do our fair share of doubting the difficult or the unlikely ways of the world around us, sometimes for really good reason, like Thomas this morning, if you ask me. But I thought of a story this week that made me think differently for a change this time around, about what Jesus might be up to with Thomas in those days after Easter. It's not so simple as, I'll believe it when I see it, I mean. The story goes that there was a wise old woman who, for years and years and years, weekend after weekend after weekend, took the bus into and around the big city. She loved the big city for all of its hustle and bustle, for all of its people and places, for all of its colors and foods and shops and more. And as much as she loved spending time in the big city, she loved the bus ride just the same because she liked so much to watch and to talk with the people who would come and go at each stop along the way, especially the young people who were new and curious and so green about it all. One day, a young woman sat next to the older, wiser woman on the bus and explained that she was new to town. She'd never been to the city, and she wanted to know what it was like. The old woman asked her, what have you heard? What are you expecting when you get there? The young woman, eyes smiling and filled with excitement, said she heard it was beautiful and fun and full of food and lights and interesting, colorful, kind people. She couldn't wait to get there. She wasn't sure she'd ever want to leave. The wise old woman sitting next to her smiled and said, you are in for a treat, dear. That is exactly what you're going to find when you get to the city. The young woman thanked the old lady and bounded off the bus, wide-eyed and smiling as she made her way downtown. The next weekend, a sullen young man plopped down in the seat next to the wise old woman on their way into town, and he grumbled his way through her attempts at some small talk. She asked him why he could be so grumpy on such a beautiful day, and he said he wasn't looking forward to this visit into the city one bit. He'd never been there before, and he expected what he'd heard to be true, that the city was dark and dirty and dangerous, that it was loud and crowded, that the people were mean and that he would be ready to leave as soon as he got there. As he moped his way off the bus, the wise old woman wished him good luck because she said that was exactly the city he was going to find once he got off the bus. So never mind, I'll believe it when I see it. The point of the story with the old woman on the bus is that the opposite is true a lot of the time. I'll see it when I believe it. What we believe sets the stage for what our hearts and our minds and our eyes are going to see and experience a lot of the time in this world. We can believe ourselves into happiness and joy and contentment and peace, or we can believe ourselves into sadness and fear and anxiety or worse. I'm not pretending this is all so cut and dried or easily done for all of us, but a lot of the time, we see and we experience what we believe or what we have convinced ourselves or what others have convinced us to be true. And I wonder if this is something like what Jesus had in mind in those days after Easter. I wonder if all of his showing up behind closed doors after the resurrection and his willingness to show up for Thomas, what seemed too good to be true anyway, is an even deeper lesson in what it means to live a life of faith than it looks like on the surface of that story with Jesus' holy hands and scarred sides. What if when Jesus says to Thomas and whoever else was listening, blessed are those who have not seen yet and have already come to believe, what if he's saying something like, you'll see it when you start to believe it? There might be no amount of faith or belief on your part or mine that will clean my son's room or change my friend's knack for being late or mend someone else's broken relationships. But our willingness to have faith or to hold space for possibilities we can't always see might actually change the way we experience the world for ourselves, it might actually allow us to see God alive and well in the world around us differently. Like if we believe there can be forgiveness by the grace of God for us or for someone in our life, we might be able to not only imagine that forgiveness, but we might find a way to receive it ourselves. And offer it up, too, for somebody else. I'll see it, if I can believe it might be true. Or if we believe there can be healing from some kind of hurt or brokenness or struggle in our life, we might start looking for ways to facilitate that, manifest that healing in ways that actually bring it to fruition see it, maybe, if I can start to believe that it's possible. Or if we believe there can be new life or a second chance or some kind of resurrection after a tragedy or a loss or a failure, our eyes might be more willing to look for and then able to actually see new life and another chance. Or some kind of resurrection when it shows up to surprise even the most cynical among us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed are those who have not yet seen but have already come to believe. You'll see it when you believe it. See, I think Jesus knows that this faith and this belief stuff is hard. I think that's why he kept showing up for those first disciples, and especially for Thomas, the one who had such a hard time believing for very good reason. What seemed too good to be true? And I like to wonder what in the world could have been troubling Thomas in those days in the first place after all. Maybe he couldn't get his son to clean his room. Maybe Thomas was the one who was always late. That's why he missed the first appearance of Jesus that first Easter Sunday. Maybe his relationship was on the rocks. Maybe his wife had breast cancer. Maybe his father was in the hospital. Maybe his best friend was dying. Maybe he lost his job. Maybe his dog just died. Maybe he was as scared as the rest of his friends about what in the world was next for them now that Jesus had been crucified, died, and was buried. Whatever the case, Jesus wanted Thomas to believe that that was not the end of the story. That there was more and better and bigger waiting for him by the grace of God. And I wonder if Jesus wanted Thomas, and I believe Jesus wants us too, to believe this first so that we might go looking for and come to see the very real presence of God among us in surprising, loving, beautiful ways because of it. Like that wise old woman on the bus, in the city. Maybe Jesus longs for us to believe in and to expect more of God's grace to find us on this side of heaven so that we might go looking for it, especially in the broken, wounded, fearful places of our lives, so that when it shows up in our midst, we'll be ready to recognize it to reach out, to touch, to receive it, and then to share that kind of grace with the world in his name. Amen.